We all know that content is pivotal when it comes to building a business or a brand on the web, but the question is, where should you publish? We're gonna talk about this today and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. Okay, so today we're going to be talking all about content creation. And this is one of those topics that I think is vital to anybody who's wanting to create any sort of independent brand. Um, And so one of the things that we hear pretty commonly is that, you know what, you want to start writing a book, you need to make a blog. If you want to start, uh, you know, selling this particular product, you need to start writing and creating content. And there, uh, there is some truth to that. However, one of the things that I've discovered is there's not really a one size fits all to that problem. So what we're going to do today is we're gonna just going to take a little bit of time. I'm going to be discussing with Casey uh, uh, some of the different ways that you can uh, you can approach content creation. What are some different types of content we can create? How often should we create it? What makes good content? What makes bad content? What's the reason for creating content? So there's just a lot of questions to answer and we're going to be tackling those throughout this episode. So one of the things I mentioned in the previous episode as well is that we've got a phone number up and available to you if you'd like to call into the program and record a question for us to answer here on the show. You can uh, reach that at 844-RIGHTLY. Again, that's 844-RIGHTLY. Or you can head on over to rightly.co, or I'm sorry, rightly.show slash questions uh, in order to ask a question for this episode. Uh, also, what I wanted to mention as well, if you haven't already, make sure you head on over to rightly.co slash training where you can sign up for our free brand building training. Uh, this is a five-part video series with a uh, accompanying workbook. This is originally going to be something that's going to charge $9.97 for. I've had a lot of people writing in and saying that they're finding this incredibly helpful for getting some new insights and directions that they're going to go for their uh, brand building journey. So again, head on over to rightly.co slash training. That's rightly.co slash training. Have a question for the program? Call 844-RIGHTLY to record your question, and we would be happy to consider featuring it in a future episode. That's 844-744-4859 or 844-RIGHTLY. If you would rather write in, feel free to email show at rightlydesigned.com. Okay, so today we're going to be talking all about picking a channel for your content creation. So to start with, why don't I go ahead, I'm going to hand things over to Casey. Casey, why don't you tell us from your perspective some of the importance of why, first of all, do we need content? Thank you, Thomas. Um, <laughs> you beat me to the punch there. Um, the reason why you need content is that you need something for your audience to interact with. And some people might have, an, you know, I think the first obvious question is what is content? Content is words, articles, blog posts, videos, pictures, uh, GIFs, tweets, Facebook posts, um, emails, all that type of stuff, all that falls under the very large, very broad umbrella of content. And it is a way for you to interact and initiate conversations with your audience. And it gives you the ability to be discovered 
It provides social proof and also provides context for your expertise in a given area. So, you know, you, the listener, if you were to go to rightly.co, you would see all of the blog posts and podcasts and uh, videos and all the pieces of content that Thomas has created that then you are able to consume and learn something and get value from. But then that also establishes Thomas's credibility within the context of those topics in your mind so that when you think about design, when you think about branding, when you think about the different topics that he creates content around, you think of him first. So the importance of content and the the role that it plays in your brand is that it helps you to be discoverable, it establishes your credibility, and it gives your audience something to interact with. Yeah. A hundred percent agree with that. It's very true. One of the one of the things too I'd like to kind of tack onto that in terms of, you know, why create content as somebody who is trying to who who just wants to make something, right? So let's say let's go ahead and break down some scenarios. Let's say that, you know, you're currently working a desk job and you want to be able to branch off and become independent and you want to maybe do the same thing that you're doing there, maybe do like tax advice or accounting or Um, you know, you do uh, some sort of design or creative work or whatever the type of work you do. Maybe you work for an agency and you want to write a book. So there is so many endless different scenarios for wherein we're going to want to create some sort of personal brand. And so a lot of people will just ask the question, why can I not just do the work that I want to do? And one of the problems is that you have to make the distinct you have to distinguish between two sides you have to decide is this work that i'm going to do is it is it going to be a hobby is it something i'm going to do for fun or is it something that i want to monetize do i want this to be a business and so that's the first thing that you have you have to be able to distinguish when it comes to this work you're going to do on the side is it just something fun that you want to do is it a hobby or is it going to be a business If it's the latter, if you want it to be a business, you have to approach it that way. And one of the important pieces to building a business is people to serve uh, in exchange for a monetary value. That's just that's what business is. If it's not doing that, then it's not a business. It's a hobby. So one of the ways that we can do that, one of the best ways we can do that when we don't have a big budget, right? When a lot of people, one of the best things that you can have when you are wanting to start a business is capital, right? Because you can pour that into the business. You can then create the product or the service you want to create and then people will buy it and the cycle continues. But for 90% of us or 99% of us, we don't have that. You know, we're not doing, we want to be able to do this work, but we don't have the capital necessarily to pour into the business to get it off the ground. The second best thing is to create content, is to create something for free of value to the people you want to serve that will gain uh, authority, uh, trust, uh, recognition, understanding, help solving people's problems for free through content, wherein later on over time, you can begin to monetize that content in some way. Now that can be through booking your first speaking gig. That could be through getting your first coaching client. That could be through booking your first haircut. That could be through getting your first wedding if you're a photographer. So those are the different ways that this uh, this is the, the way we start to spread our brand, the way we do things into the world, our way of thinking, our way of uh, producing our craft or the way that we do our work 
it is through the channel of content creation. So let's kind of back up and I've, t- I've covered a lot, but let's kind of break this down a little bit. First, you want to make a, a distinction. Am I doing a hobby or am I doing a business? If the latter, if a business, I have to ask the next question. Do I have money I can put directly into this business to test it and to, to see if I can make it grow? If no, and even if the answer is yes, I still recommend a content strategy of some, some sort. But if the answer is no, then I want to uh, begin exploring what type of content I want to create uh, for the audience I want to serve. Uh, Thomas, why is content such a critical first step for someone who is wanting to explore a explore a hobby, a hobby or a business online? And then if a business, you know, whether whether or not they have money or capital to put behind this idea, why is content creation such a critical beginning step? Yeah, absolutely. It's the main reason is because it's the hello, I'm here to the world or particular particularly to the market. Like, just think about it yourself. How many times have you been, you know, scrolling through your Facebook feed or something like that, and you've come to know of a person or what they're doing, particularly through a piece of content they've created? Think about how many times you've been searching about how to do something on YouTube, and you discovered a person you did not know existed. Well, that's because that person created something useful for you for free. Now, there's a potential, there's a possibility, a high likelihood you've never purchased anything from that person. However, there are dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of people who have. And it all started because that person made the decision to begin creating content. So there's there's another way that you can start to get in front of people uh, in terms of pouring capital into it that a lot of people and particularly big businesses and companies that have kind of lost their way in a sense do, and that is interruption marketing. Right? They'll put an ad in front of you or they'll interrupt you or they'll do something to try to steal your attention as opposed to winning your attention. But one of the advantages that we have as people who are starting smaller independent brands is that we have the ability to create something on a smaller, more personal level. That's why a lot of big brands, something that they're starting to do is what's being referred to as unbranding, which I think is kind of the wrong term. It's it's not necessarily unbranding. They're just becoming more real and more personal or trying to appear that way. That's why you're going to, if you look on Twitter at some of the top brands that you know of, particularly Wendy's is notorious for this, you'll see a lot of big brands trying to interact with their customers in more creative ways, whether it's full on just making fun of customers or whether it's trying to crack jokes or post memes or whatever it is, they're trying to be more relatable. And they're they're spending millions, if not billions of dollars to try to appear more human to you. The advantage that you have as somebody who's just getting started is that you are a human, you are a person, you are an individual, and you can interact personally with people. And the way that you do that is through content. So it's a huge advantage that you have over big corporations and companies that are trying desperately to emulate what you are as a person, an individual. Uh, And that's why it's so great when you're starting early on, you get to interact so closely and directly with the people that you're reaching. And again, that way we do that isn't merely through Facebook or through Twitter or through those avenues, though that can be a piece of it. The main channel is through content. Thomas, on a recent episode, we talked about how design questions that design and should answer for your brand are who is this for and what problem are you solving? How does content 
answer those questions. Yeah, it it's a huge. It's actually the start. It's the first step to doing that. And a lot of times, for for many of us, knowing what products we're going to start creating is actually born out of the content that we're creating. So, like, if we wanted to start an online course that teaches people X. Well, we might find out after we start creating videos that Y is actually more pertinent to the people that we're trying to reach. It's more of a, a prominent problem. And we can find that out. Let's say that you decided to start a YouTube channel and that was your particular or your primary place of content creation. Well, you're going to have eventually start getting comments on that particular one. Like even I've noticed even as I've just get it, gotten started with my YouTube channel, I've noticed that there are particular episodes or particular videos that get more traction than others. And on those videos, there's there's a lot of questions. And on those questions or comments, I could actually see, you know, the the idea hits me every time of like, I could actually start a course based upon that question that that person is asking. So it's the same type of thing. It's that, like I, like I alluded to a little bit earlier, it's it's that jumping into the marketplace, waving your hand and saying, hi, I'm here, this is what I'm making, wanna come. It's that type of thing. And so at first it may be one or two people who are reading what you're writing uh, on your blog, or it may be one or two, it may be 10 or 15 YouTube video views. But by taking that first step and creating content, it's kind of the barrier to entry. It's that place where you first begin. If you start with a product, not with people. What you're going to end up with is spam. You're gonna end up with trying to, I think it's Seth Godin or I can't remember who it is who wrote the analogy that, you know, it's like um, it's like having a key and running around and trying to find where it goes, trying to find the door that it fits in, as opposed to finding the door and making a key to fit that door. It's a lot faster. It's the same type of thing. If you start reaching people, if you start, creating content that's useful, whether again, we're talking about blog posts that people are reading and commenting on, or talking about a podcast where people are listening, or if we're talking about a video where people are again, commenting down below, you're interacting with real people. And as you begin to do that, it starts to solidify and clarify for you the particular ways that you can help them. And what happens is that once you start to see that trend, ideas start to emerge in terms of ways that you can monetize that. And I'm not just talking about ads. Ads can work, but uh, a course is better or individual coaching clients or whatever it is. Um, You could think of as content creation as kind of your first step towards creating uh, that product that starts to build your business. It sounds like content is a great testing ground for validating an idea and making sure that you're resonating with your target audience. Yes, very true. Yep, definitely. As someone is beginning, so uh, another you, another thing to point out that I think is very um, on the nose, if you will, is if you start a a WordPress a blog on WordPress, a as when you first do the install, there's a sample post that is created when you first launch up and the title of it is Hello World. Right. And so yep. I think that's a great example of the the value of content and the purpose that it serves it says, hello, I'm here. And then, you know, whatever your brand or your content is representing, the value that it's communicating, the problem that it's solving, you know, is you know delivering and getting that attention. Um, we, as people consider 
you know, content. There's, you know, there's where to publish, how often to publish, the format to publish in. And so I'd love to start there. I'd love to start with with one of those. What are some of the most like popular popular places or platforms for people to create content? Yeah, no, this is a this is a huge topic and something that is great to dive into. And Casey, I definitely want to get your thoughts on this as well as as I kind of dive into this. But there's a lot of different channels that you can go down. So let's let's start here. Let's start with channel. Okay, so I so let's say that you haven't even gotten started yet. You haven't gotten you haven't begun the process of doing anything, but you want to. So the first thing that you need and you're going to need at any point when you start your content creation process is a place where your audience lives. Um, so meaning a place where you can always go back and you can access you can essentially you're in control of your uh, your audience. So the the main place that you want that to live and reside is on an email list. So always start there. So we always recommend um, ConvertKit, which is a really great resource. Um, they don't have a free version. So if you're just starting out and you want something that's free, you can try something like MailChimp. But the main point is I want a place wherein I can point people to be able to sign up for my email list. That's important because you can sit there for a year and and churn out blog posts, but you're always, uh, you never know if those people are going to come back. You never have a way to reach out to them once you create your product. So again, the first thing you need is an email list. Now, what you can do is you can just create a simple squeeze page or, or splash page or something that is going to say, even as something as basic as sign up for my free newsletter, something basic that will incentivize people to get onto your email list. So again, you can create, we've talked about this in the past, won't go into it in too much detail, but you can create a lead magnet, you can create a video, you can create something that you will give people in return for getting on your email list, something that's of value. So that's first and foremost, that has to be there before you start diving into your content creation plan. So I always have to re, uh, re, uh, re-emphasize that just because that's so important and so many people miss that basic first step. Okay, but once you have that- so. Hold on. Yep. Hold yep, on, Thomas. I'm going to stop yep. you right there. Yep. Why? Why is that email list so important? And why should people start there instead of starting a Facebook group or starting a Facebook page or even starting a blog? Why yeah, should they abs- start with the email abs- list? Absolutely. This is a this is an excellent question to ask, and it's something so important. And we could probably mention this every single episode and and still not have it be mentioned enough, which is that. You have to control your audience, right? So let's say we used let's say we used Casey's example where I went in, I start creating content, I create a Facebook group. Well, what happens like a year hence or two years hence, uh, and people just aren't using Facebook as often. Uh, we already see actually there's been a number of reports coming out recently where Facebook's actually seeing a decline in the amount of people that are using it. Now people might argue that you know that trend could end or something else, but we've seen it with MySpace. We've seen it with every single social media platform has ebbed and flowed. So what we do not want to do is entrust our future and you know our, the future business that we're building. We don't want to entrust that into some, uh, some other platform in the success or failure of some other platform. So should you, can you have a Facebook group? Absolutely. But first and foremost, you want to make sure that you have an email list. And the reason that you want to have that email list is because it's something that you own and it's something that you control. I mentioned earlier ConvertKit. I also mentioned MailChimp. The great thing about an email list is that you're not beholden to either of those. If, for example, MailChimp decided to close their doors, you know, a couple of months after you join, you just do an export of your email list, import them to ConvertKit or another email marketing service that you use and you like, and you're set. 
it's your audience, you're in control, and so you always uh, maintain that audience that you're trying to build. So you want to make sure that you don't count on Instagram likes or YouTube views or uh, you know, comments on your blog or the group in the Facebook, you know, people in a Facebook group, make sure you control it and it's yours. I love that. I've heard it put, I've, I've heard it put this way. Don't build your house on rented land. Yes. Yep. Uh, and because if you, you know, a Facebook, you know, the, all of these different strategies of, you know, Instagram of having a Facebook group or a group on LinkedIn, um, you know, there is the possibility that those platforms could just change the rules overnight. Like these are privately held companies and, uh, and whether or not they're publicly traded, like they can be shut down, they can break, they can change their algorithms and rules and you would be left high and dry and the, you know, hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of people who may follow you on those platforms are just gone in an instant. But if they are on your email list, you own that. That is your house. And if you have, you know, a, we are going to get into like building a website and a blog and that home base, you know, for your customers. Um, but that email is where it starts. And every single uh, digital entrepreneur who I have talked to, whether you know they're a YouTuber or they create digital courses, they always, always, 100% of the time say, I wish I started my email list sooner, uh, without exception. And so I would just you know reiterate, Thomas, uh, in recommending ConvertKit as a great place to start. Sometimes they have like a two-week or 30-day like free trial sort of thing. Um, but I'm a ConvertKit customer um, and I can't, I can't recommend them recommend them enough. So Thomas, so let's say people follow your advice, they start with that email list. What's that next step? What's that next step in, you know, their their content domain? Where should they go next? Yeah, absolutely. So then the next place we want to go is we want to start creating. We want to start making something. And what I would recommend is Set a goal for yourself and depending on your schedule, this can be more challenging. So, you know, just kind of work in whatever your schedule is. But the first thing I would do, and this is uh, a lot of people like to focus upon consistency from the audience aspect in the sense that, you know, if uh, they're going to be more likely to follow you if you do something on a weekly basis. And I just haven't noticed that to be true. In fact, I've noticed particularly if in the past, like I've taken a month or two months off of creating a particular you know, I used to do blog posts a week. I don't do blog posts very often anymore, but I've noticed when I took a month or two off, when I started again, that initial post got more traction than most of the other ones did. So I've never really seen the evidence to say that if somebody is doing something from a, you know, a very consistent standpoint, that it, it makes a huge difference from the audience perspective, that maybe sometimes it does, maybe sometimes it doesn't. However, I still recommend that you do. And that's more for your sake in, in the sense that if you have a schedule and you are going to and you have a particular time when you're going to record your videos or you got a particular time when you're going to sit down to write, you're more likely to do it. Whereas most people who like even if you take a break for a month or two, like that's OK, as long as you get back to the point of that consistency more for yourself, because just kind of human nature, just the way that we are, the way that, you know, our schedules get so busy, we end up kind of pushing it out the door. So well, that's the first thing I would do. Try to pick a time out of your schedule, whether that's the first thing every morning, maybe that's, uh, you know, every Friday or every Saturday, whenever you just kind of have a slot open, 
I'm going to dedicate this hour or this two hours to creating content. So that's the first thing I would do. I would first try to commit to some sort of schedule wherein you're going to create your content. And like I said, it's not one of those things where you have to, you know, upset your entire life in order to do. Like I said, if you need to take a month or two months off, that's fine. Or if you reach a point in time where you find you really just don't have the time to fit this in every single week, that's okay too. But I would start there. Start out with a plan. I probably wouldn't go daily if you are starting out for the first time. I would I'd say weekly is kind of a sweet spot in that we people can get pretty over they can get content overwhelmed particularly even if you're able to churn out something daily unless you're in like the news industry where you're actually commenting on something that's breaking uh wherein there's new content every single day that's may that's the only time when i can see a real exception but for pretty much all the rest of us when you're talking about content once a week is pretty good some people will will fall back on once a month i think once a month from a content perspective and from an audience perspective, I just don't think that's a big enough commitment. I think if you're only able to do once a month, I just don't think you're ready to create content regularly. So that may mean you need a different schedule. That may mean that you're just not at a place where you can do it. I understand that. Or maybe you just want to do it just to kind of hone in on the this the craft of creating the content itself, which is totally fine. Uh, but in terms of becoming serious and consistent, you should at least try to dedicate a week Uh, once a week to creating that content itself. So I think the first place to start is to create a schedule for yourself, uh, fine-tuned a specific time, a specific day, where and when you're going to start creating content. There's a lot of parallels between like creating content and having like creating any other um, healthy habit you're trying to create. So like, and I want to, you know, underscore for people that Thomas is talking about like publishing content. Like if you're going to publish a video or a blog post or an email, uh, a weekly commitment or a cadence is positive so that you are maintaining um, that engagement with the topic and with your audience on a regular basis because that's going to deliver value to you. But then if like if you don't have a two hour, you know, an hour or a two hour block to you know, produce and publish a video or crank out a blog post, carve out, you know, 10 or 15 minutes a day. And the more you do it, the more it becomes like muscle memory. And there's that lower barrier to the creative process. It's a lot like working out. Like it's, you know, it, it physically, it is better for you to work out for 10 or 15 minutes a day than to work out for three hours once a week. Like it's, and that is still better than doing nothing. Like working out once for three hours once a week is still better than doing nothing. Um, but there's going to be a lot like there's going to be a lot of pressure to that, you know. But if you break it down to 15 minutes a day and it's at a convenient time and it's at your home or, you know, or at a gym or whatever, that you will establish muscle memory. So even if, you know, life gets crazy, it's the holidays or, you know, you go on summer vacation and you don't, you know, you don't get to work out when you get back into it, you're going to more easily fall into that groove. And the same goes with creating content. Uh, Thomas, when we look at, you know, so the foundation is email, the, if we're, if we're using a house as an analogy, the foundation is email, the frame is a blog. What, um, 
what are some key elements? What are what are some of like the studs and pillars of that frame that people should consider when um, you know developing and creating their their home base on the internet for their audience for their website? Yeah, definitely. So the first thing that you want to make sure that you're doing is you want to make sure that whatever the content that you're creating is solving a real problem. Now, let's be clear, like for a lot of people, they have a hard time with this because, you know, I'm just getting started and I, you know, I'm not really certain on what my audience is needing or, or wanting or that sort of thing. So the first thing to do would be, you know, you can do something as basic as getting involved in the, you know, a Facebook community or something like that, or on Twitter or even on Instagram to see what people are in your community or in the market that you're trying to serve. What are some of the common problems or the common questions that they're asking? So that's one or two. And this is actually, I've actually encountered this a number of times myself, which is that you have a problem that you're trying to solve and you can't find an elegant or good solution to that problem. Case in point, a while back, I was searching through YouTube videos on how to use a DSLR camera as a webcam. I found a total of zero videos that helped me solve that problem. So what did I do? I made a video that solved that problem. So the same way, same thing applies. So whether it's the audience that you're trying to serve or the or even something you yourself that's relevant to the market or the brand you're trying to build, finding a problem and a solution to that in some sort of way. Now, how does the solution come out? So that solution could be like, for example, if like I'm going to bring it back to something I know, uh, know well, which is book jacket design. So let's say that one of the common things I see out there is like, here's the top 10 most common book book design mistakes I see in the market. So I'll make a blog post that lists out all those common mistakes. So that's a practical piece of content I can create. Same thing applies to video or whatever it is. So the to kind of bring things back home to uh, Casey's analogy of the house, first of all, you want to make sure you have that foundation of the email list built. Uh, obviously, the you can consider the the structure of the house could be, um, you know, your website, the place where people come back to find you to sign up for that email list. But the pieces that's going to hold that house together is the content itself being good, being useful, being relevant to the people you're trying to serve. Because if you come out with a blog post that if you're trying to teach people how to eat healthy and you come out with a blog post of a random movie review, it's just probably not going to resonate with your audience. So staying, staying true to the original brand that you created, to the audience you're trying to serve, and at the same time actually creating something that solves a problem for them is going to be the piece that kind of holds the house together. I love that. I love that. Um, we've got our email list. We have a website. We're creating content on that that's solving real problems. Where else should we be? Where else should we be present? Should we, you know, uh, there's all the different social media channels. Which ones should we be on? Should we be on all of them? Should we only be on one? Should we be on none? What's your perspective? Yeah, in terms of social media, and this is a this is a great piece of the puzzle because this is the way that you're going to start getting people back to that home base and back to the you know the content that you're creating. Um, so one of the things I would recommend, and I tried this very earlier on, I'm constantly experimenting and changing, but the the most useful approach I've found is to start with one and to get really good at one. There's people out there who who talk about, you know, the key of everything is automation. And so they'll literally try to, you know, find a way to, uh, you know, pick one social media platform and then, you know, just have one, con- you know, one piece of content 
uh, explode and go out to all these different platforms at one time in the same way. I don't really recommend that. I th- what I think you should do is you should get to know a social media platform well and the way people use it. Because people are much more likely to engage with that content when it is in a manner in which they're expected. Like one of the most common things you'll find like on something like Twitter is you'll find that a lot of people will just, I don't see this as much anymore, but especially among a lot of like digital marketers or that sort of thing, their their feed, their social media feed, particularly on Twitter is basically an RSS feed, right? So it's just publishing out title, link, title, link, title, link. Like don't do that. Like it's not even worth your time. It's not worth anybody else's time. Make something that's, take 15 seconds and craft a tweet that's actually a tweet from you, even if you're scheduling it out. Like I have no problem with scheduling and being more efficient but engage on that social media platform in a true and effective way. So you can. So that's why I would recommend start out with one, learn that platform, whether it's Twitter. And some of this may be deciding, some people like to choose a platform they like, other people like to choose a platform where more people reside as a part of their audience. Both of those kind of make sense. It just kind of depends because it's easier to get burnout on a social media platform you don't like. There's plenty of people who just don't like Facebook or who just don't like Twitter. I mean, that's understandable, but you have to find out the tenets of what makes that, pl- like how people engage on that platform uh, before you start publishing on it. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. Um, but yeah, what I would do is I would start with one and then expand from there. Uh, and don't just do it in an automated way. Um, you know, specifically, like a, the, the most prominent one that comes to mind is uh, Instagram. And so where I've noticed that, you know, people will just republish, they'll take like the first 10 seconds of their Facebook or not Facebook post, they'll take like the first 15 seconds of their YouTube video and just stick it on Instagram. And it's just, it doesn't work because you just tell it's kind of forced. Whereas I think some of the best people who do Instagram take snippets and reformat it in such a way as to uh, to work. They'll make it a square and they'll do everything to make it work better on Instagram. So that's the thing to do. If you're going to take on a social media platform, uh, add it to your repertoire, then make sure that you do it in such a way that people, that it's going to make sense for the people who are there as opposed to just kind of you know, here's my, you know, content marketing post for the day, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for engaging in the conversation. And we've talked before about, you know, brands are, uh, big brands are trying to behave more and more human and less and less like some big corporate entity when they're, and they're trying to be more relational with their audience on social media. And that goes for individuals like that principle, that rule goes for individuals as well. So if you, you know, are just publishing a and curating an RSS feed on social media, that's not going to stand out. That's not starting conversations, especially if you share, you know, just a headline and a link with no context about why you liked it or where it's coming from, then you're not giving people any incentive or reason to click or respond to you or engage you in conversation. Um, and, uh, it's also important to make sure that you are natively publishing on a platform so you can repurpose content from something else. So you could take a YouTube, you know, the video that you have uploaded to YouTube, you can repurpose that and reformat it and upload it to Instagram, but it needs to be natively shared on that platform and adhere to the best practices of that platform. So you need to, you know, make sure it's formatted to a square or, you know, to the really like tall portrait mode that's in Instagram stories. And so it looks so that it looks and feels like it was created first 
on that platform versus something just being like stolen and you know copy pasted um, from somewhere else because people uh, your and audience you're trying to to entice to engage with to get their attention they can smell that a mile away and it's going to make it it comes across disingenuous um thomas how do we decide where which one to start with you know beyond which one we may like or dislike so let's you know let's say i hate facebook but maybe facebook is where i should start how do how do i decide where to begin yeah definitely so there's a number of different so we can kind of tackle two different pieces so one would be the channel in which we actually publish, like where, like what type of content we create. And two would be uh, where and if we're going to do some sort of social media platform. So let's tackle the social media platform first. So the social media platform, I think there, like there's no right or wrong answer here. I think some of it like comes down to trial and error. Also what you're comfortable with, that that sort of thing. I think the the social media platform you choose is less important than it is the type of content that you create. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people are on a lot of different social media platforms. Like there are, um, there are some clear distinctions where like if you're doing like a, like if you do healthy eating and cooking and that sort of thing, maybe LinkedIn doesn't make sense. If you're doing more B2B stuff, LinkedIn makes more sense. But if you want like a safe place to like start, you're not really sure, a Facebook group or a Facebook page is probably where most people are going to be. Um, Twitter kind of has its own community in and of itself for people who use it for different things. So um, less at, at the bottom, the at the end of the day, the the bottom line is that less people are going to be on Twitter than they will be on Facebook. There's more people on Facebook. So if you just don't really know, you probably default to Facebook. Otherwise, if you want to take the time to do a little bit of research, maybe another social media platform makes sense. In terms of the content. That's a bigger kind of can of worms to open in the sense that there's a lot of things that we have to consider when it comes to creating content. And the first and foremost, I'm always going to underscore is that it just has to be good and it has to be useful. Like it just doesn't do, there's so much mediocre content out there on every platform that people are just becoming more and more skeptical of what they're going to spend their time consuming. And so that's why one of the things I, I like to mention wherein, you know, when it comes to like the content I'm creating, whether it's on this podcast or a video I create or a course I create, I never consider it free. People always have to pay for it. And the way that they're paying for it is through their time. And so if you can come at it from that perspective and realize that people's time is valuable and that they only have so much attention that it is a privilege if they decide to skim your article or if they decide to listen in for 10 seconds or, or 10 minutes or hopefully more than 10 seconds, but you know, 15 minutes of your podcast, that that's a privilege that they are spending time listening to what you have to say. Or if you're doing a video, they're spending five minutes of their busy day listening and watching of what you have to say. So come at it, first of all, from that perspective, that make sure that if you're going to create content, it's content worth reading or watching or listening to. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. Now, the second thing to keep in mind is what is the avenue, the channel that I want to publish this on? Now, the way that we come down, there's a lot of different factors to keep in mind when it comes to that question. And first thing to keep in mind is what are you able to do? Right, So you just may not be in a position right now to do video, and that is totally okay. That makes total sense. So the first thing I would ask, though, is what makes the most sense for the type of content you're creating? 
Part of the reason why I decided to do a YouTube vi- or YouTube video on a weekly basis was because a lot of the concepts that I'm talking about are very visual. So I do a lot of visual design. I, I work with websites. I do a lot of tutorials. So what I like to do is I like to relegate anything that's very visually heavy. If I'm demonstrating anything visual, I like to to put that over on the YouTube channel as opposed to concepts that we're going to explore in more depth that don't really necessarily require anything visual alongside them. Those are designated to the podcast. If you're going to be doing things that are more how-to or more writing-based or more uh, lengthy in the way that they're described, sometimes writing them out in a blog post makes more sense. Um, and you may not even have to necessarily do a blog. You can technically, if they're not going to be two or 3,000 words, if they're going to be on the shorter end, you may not even necessarily need a blog to start with. What you can actually do is just send those out weekly via email. It's less important where those things live. There are some advantages to having it on a blog. You've got search engine traffic and things like that that you can build. But to start with, the main key is creating something useful for people who want to receive it on one of these platforms. So, okay, so now I know I've kind of covered a lot there, but I want to break down really briefly. Okay, so what are some different things to consider outside of what makes sense for the content? So let's say I'm just getting started. Uh, I don't have the time or the resources or I don't want to appear on video. Now, what I would first say is I would seriously recommend video where you can because video is a very powerful platform in the sense that people get to see you. They're instantly going to be able to trust you more because they can see you, they can interact with you. So video is kind of at the top of my list when it comes to by default. If you can't or you don't want to or you just don't have the resources or the time to do video, totally understand. Uh, I would say that a podcast is the second best place to start because you can explore concepts in more long form format. Less people are doing them well than are doing blogs well. So there's just a smaller group of people to compete with in the particular niche. There's a lot of people who start podcasts that are successful, particularly because there's just nobody else talking about that concept uh, on a podcast. So that's another thing to consider. Again, if these things, if the technology or the time or the resources just aren't there to do the podcast, then I would, I would go back to a blog. I would write an article. I would practice writing something that is useful, that's concise, that has all the information that solves a particular topic really well. Um, Google's going to be your friend in terms of searching what's already out there. Your goal then would be if it already is out there to write something that's more exhaustive, more useful from your perspective than what already exists rather than kind of replicating what's already out there. And then from there, again, even if uh, a blog isn't realistic and you can't do that because you don't have the time or the resources to set up a blog, writing something weekly to your email list and providing value there is a great place to start. The main the main point is weighing all these things, because I know I've covered a lot, what makes more most sense to you, your time, your audience, and where you're going to deliver the most value within the resources that you have available. I love that. And I think social media is is a great element of your content strategy because it gives you the opportunity to test ideas, engage in conversation, uh, promote the content that you've created. So you, you know, if you produced a video and release it on YouTube, you can mention it on Twitter. You can, uh, you know, repurpose and natively post that content on Instagram. You can host it on your blog and email it out to your list. Like there's 
when you create a piece of content, social media can be used to point people to that. Um, and like, like I said, validating ideas and engaging with your audience. What are some of the drawbacks or distractions of social media that content creators get caught up in um, that actually don't have anything to do with their content being successful? Yeah, I think in and of itself, I think social media can just be distracting for any of us. I think that's one of those things where uh, I think pretty much all of us at one point in a time, at one point or another, have probably opened up Facebook and gotten into the habit of scrolling for a mile and a half down um, without really, you know, making it anything that's helpful or useful to the day. Something I was I heard uh, Michael Hyatt talking about the other day, uh, which is really interesting and something I'm actually probably going to start ad- adopting myself to some degree. One of the things that he does for his, he uses social media, and obviously it's a big part of his his brand and the platform that he's building, um, but he does not check it throughout the day. So he does 30 minutes in the morning. He opens up the different social media platforms. He responds to comments and different people that are there, um, looks through his newsfeed, and does, uses social media the same way you know any of us use social media, but he relegates it to 30 minutes to start his day and then 30 minutes to end his work day. And between those two points of time, it's never open. So I think that's really useful. I think that from a productivity standpoint is only be using it when and where it makes sense. Now, it's a little bit different for Michael because he's got, you know, obviously he himself is responding, but he's also got a team he works with. So what I would say is just uh, relegate the time you're using social media to a particular time during the day. Some of this comes down to a little bit more of a productivity standpoint than, say, a content creation standpoint itself. But it can be an important part of that process because, um seeing what other people are creating and kind of being involved with the community that you're trying to build is a big part of what's going to give you ideas for creating content. So you do want to be involved in there uh, for sure. But one of the things that you can do uh, that I think is pretty helpful and something I'm going to be doing a lot more myself is just making sure that it's relegated to a particular time and it's not consuming your day. I think that is great advice for for all of us. Right. (laughs) Uh, for all of us, I've definitely opened Instagram, scrolled, and you know, an hour has gone by, and like, what, what happened? Um, I've done it. I, I do it all the time. <laughs> um, we've talked about, you know, we've talked about where to get started with your. Where that content could be shared. How, how do you come up with? actual content ideas yeah so this is yeah this is a great question and this is one that i think a lot of people struggle with because you know it reaches that point in time where you know i don't really know where to start right so the first thing to do is just to start with uh, this is how you get the ball rolling and that a lot of it comes down to interacting with people in your audience so first of all finding those common questions that people are asking finding problems that you've had that you've been able to overcome uh in the particular niche and then the best thing that that's really helped me uh, is just to start looking for them in your day-to-day work. And you'll be surprised how often they pop up when you're not even expecting them to be there. So here's what I do. Uh, we'll probably create a full tutorial about this whole process, but I use a an app called Things by Cultured Code. It's a Mac app. It's also got an iOS version as well. So what I do is I've got a little hotkey that you can do and uh, you can hit this hotkey, type in a few words, hit enter, and then adds it to your inbox in the task list. Things is a, a 
essentially a to-do list manager. So what I do is all throughout the day, I will come out with different ideas that may or may not make a good piece of content. So this is so what I do is as I'm working, let's say I'm reading an e- you know writing an email or something else, and something pops to mind regarding something I'm helping a person with or a project I'm working on. So I type it out, hit enter, it's in the list. And I keep doing that throughout the course of every day. So what I do about once a week is I go through that list and I begin to flesh them out. Is this really a good idea? Would this make a good concept for a podcast? You know, that sort of thing. Is it worth its salt? If not, I delete it. If it is, then I begin my sorting mechanism where, okay, would this be better visually or would this be better uh, in audio since those are the two platforms I publish on? So then I sort, so then based upon that, I sort them. I add them to the Rightly Show for audio. I add them to Rightly TV if they're better for video. Uh, So that's what I do in terms of my process of actually sorting out. And then from there, I go through the actual content creation process of, you know, making the actual show notes and the things that turn into an episode on the channel or on, um, uh, on the podcast. But that's what I do. So that's one of the best things that you can do. If you just like, this is like one of the, this is where you get the term writer's block where somebody will sit down in front of a blank screen and say, I don't know what to say. If you're sitting down without an idea, you're going to have a really hard time. Whereas if you're involved in the community, you see the questions that people are asking, you're doing the work that you do inherently, if you're looking for them, you're going to find pretty much an endless list of topics that you can begin to explore. The key And the thing that's been so helpful for me and for so many other people I know who create content regularly is to create a quick, uh, friction-free way of capturing those ideas and storing them for later. Absolutely. I think it's critical to have a a workflow or process where you're able to capture, develop, and publish your content. And so uh, Jeff Goins, the writer, he has for writing his blog posts uh, and other content. He has what he calls the three bucket system. And so he will spend time, you know, capture or, you know, he will capture ideas throughout the day, throughout the week. And those all go into a idea bucket. And then when he sits down to write, he'll take, you know, take one of those and he'll start working on the draft. He'll start building out the outline and filling in the different elements. And then he'll spend time on the the publishing part of it where he'll take he'll take a partially finished draft, he'll beef it up, he'll fill it out, and then get it ready, you know, hand it off to his content manager who then like puts in the image and uploads it and gets it all published. And so having those three buckets to work from is great, especially if you, you know, whether, whether you're writing content or whether you're creating videos or social media, um, you know, posts, it is great to have those bucketed categories because if you sit down to do something or you pull out your phone and you experience that resist, what Steven Pressfield calls the resistance and you feel this like mental block, just switch buckets. So like if you sit down and you're trying to brainstorm a bunch of, you know, ideas for future content and you come up with a couple or you don't come up with any and you hit a roadblock, just pivot and grab one of your old ideas and start like filling out that outline. Start, you know, dropping in some words and pulling in some resources for research. And then if you get stuck there, then you can pivot to taking an old draft and completing it out and finishing, you know, the production on that or taking, you know, start recording pieces of video to pull together into what you'll end up producing and releasing. So uh, especially when it comes to having, you know, 
you might be publishing on a regular basis, whether that's daily, weekly, or monthly. And I'm definitely with Thomas in saying that weekly is a great cadence because it gives you that level of commitment and interaction with your audience. Um, but to actually, uh, for yourself, having some type of daily activity where you are creating on the in the background um, that's not actually going out everywhere, um, having a system and a workflow in place, regardless of what tools you might use. Um, Thomas likes things. I use. I know he also uses Bear for some stuff. Um, I like Evernote. Like the the tool itself doesn't matter. It it's if it works for you and does it serve a function. Yep, absolutely, hundred percent agree. All right, so Thomas, there are there are best-selling authors and huge social media personalities who are on two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to content creation and where they show up. Uh, in terms of being everywhere and doing all of the things, uh, YouTube, blog, podcast, all the social media channels, Instagram stories, public speaking, all of that stuff. You've got Pat digital courses. You've got Pat Flynn who's, you know, he, he is everywhere doing all of the things. And then on the opposite end of that spectrum, you've got Cal Newport, a best-selling author, a professor at some really prestigious school that I can't remember right now, who he is a multiple New York times bestselling author. And all he's got is his blog and an email newsletter and he doesn't do any social media how do you determine where you fall how does a creator how does a content creator determine where they fall on that spectrum yeah no i think this is a really thing to die really interesting thing to dive into in that it really depends upon you and the type of brand that you're trying to build like i know like yeah, there's a there's a lot of people who kind of I won't say a lot I say they're more the minority than the major the majority in terms of people who are on the social media bandwagon. But you even have like Seth Godin to a large degree isn't really active at all on Twitter. He does a little bit of Facebook Live here and there, but there's he's kind of in between those two I would say. But there's some people who just they just don't adopt social media. It's just not a big part of what they do. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of pros and cons to social media. Like the pro is that you're technically going to be able to reach more people faster, at least in theory. But here's the thing. The, the nice thing about creating your own brand and building your own audience is that you don't necessarily you don't have to like, like the end goal isn't always to build a bigger and larger and ever-growing audience. And that's not to say you won't if you don't use social media. But first you have to ask, like, what is my goal? What is the thing that I want to solve? What is it that I want to accomplish? So those are the first things to keep in mind. I think those are important questions to ask. And it, again, I think it just really comes back to you. Like, what is it that you want to, like, if, if you don't want to be uh, on social media and go through the, the time and the effort and energy that was required in doing that, then don't. I mean, there are some going to be some benefits to it, but there are also some drawbacks, particularly time related as well. I think it's a lot harder to gain contract, uh, a lot harder to gain traction if you are not somebody who is on social media, because that's just a, a quick, easy way to be able to find and discover people. Um, 
but it is, there are some advantages to it. So it's one of those things where just kind of make a decision. I would start out by default. Um, I would try it before you decide you're not going to do it. That's what I would recommend because there may reach a point in time where you don't really know uh, what you have until you've got it. So um, that's what I would, I would start with uh, at least experimenting with social media. If you know all about it, if you've experienced it, if you can say that this doesn't work for me or this doesn't fit into the scheme or the plan that I have for the particular brand I'm trying to build and you make a conscious, educated decision against it, that's a different story. Um, but just know why you're doing what you're doing and what's going to be best for the, the brand and the platform uh, that you're trying to build. Um, so did you, Casey, do you have any other last thoughts or anything you wanted to, to add in for this, uh, to wrap up this episode? I would just encourage people to try to start like to start with the basics, start with the foundation networks, get that, get your email list. It doesn't have to be super complicated. ConvertKit and MailChimp are really great tools. Start there, get a get a blog set up so that or you know a website super simple set up so that's your home base so those are assets that you own instead of building your audience on rent you know your platform on rented land and then like thomas said like try like pick pick one like don't try to be everywhere all at once from the start like pat flynn didn't start everywhere all at once like he started with one he figured it out and you know found his audience on that channel and then started another one. So if you're trying to like figure out where to begin, whether that's YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn, just pick one and figure it out and start there. And if you don't have, if you, if you continue, if you consistently show up and you don't get traction, you're allowed to quit and start another one, but you have to quit one. You either have to have figured that first one out and then iterate and add on another one, like a building block, like you're like you're building a house or you're building Legos, like one block at a time. But if one block isn't working, you're allowed to remove it. You're allowed to quit it. Like, yeah, um, you know, if you try LinkedIn and it, you just you can't figure it out or it doesn't work for you or you're not finding your audience, quit. That's fine. And then try another one. Um, but uh, Derek Sivers talks. He his my most favorite quote of his is that most things work if you do them. It's like so many people say like all oh, Facebook doesn't work or Twitter doesn't work or LinkedIn doesn't work. Like do your homework, do it well, do yourself a favor of giving it your best shot. And if it doesn't work, you know you tried your best and you know you did what you could. And then you can wa- you can wash your hands of it and try the next thing. So um, pick one thing try it and go from there. Perfect. Yep. Excellent advice. It's one of those things where as long as you, you got to put forth the effort, uh, you have to disprove the theory before, uh, the theory can actually be disproved. So you got to put forth the effort first, the time, the effort, the energy required in order to, to find out if it works for you. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but the experimenting is, is how we discover whether or not it does. So, Thank you so much to Casey. As always, you can find out more about Casey over at caseyproctor.com. So be sure to visit him over there. If you're finding the Rightly Show useful, we always appreciate it. If you head on over to uh, rightly.show where you can leave us a review, we always do appreciate it. Also, make sure to check out that free brand board, uh, brand building course we have over at Rightly 
www.rightlyrightly.training. And as always, if you have a question for the program, feel, feel free to call in at 844-RIGHTLY or go to rightly.show slash question. And until next time, go out there and create a brand that is truly rightly designed. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program. If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or the medium of your choosing. 